just step back in Acts chapters one through 10, and you're like, man, it's been a tsunami of life change. I mean, just a wonder of how much momentum has been seen. I mean, the Holy Spirit is just wreaking havoc over the earth and the world and the church in terms of life change. I mean, literally what we've read so far through Acts 1 to 10 is literally world changing. Welcome to Live in the Light today, friends, and we're glad that you're here, and we pray that you're ready to hear from the Lord, and specifically God's Word for each of us today, wherever you would find yourself. You've joined us today for a message in the book of Acts, and Pastor Robbie is in our studio with me today, and Robbie, today's message is all about multiplication, but listeners, don't be worried. It's not the kind of multiplication you learn at school. It's This is a multiplication that God takes care of, right, Robbie? That's right, man. That's right. It's God's school, man. And God's school tends to focus on lives being changed for his glory. In Acts chapter 11, man, we see a huge dose of this. So live in the light listeners who are so loved, dearly, dearly loved. Get ready to be encouraged today because once again, we see the testimony that our God is on the move. And even when we don't see it, he's working or feel it, he's working. He's always working. I love that truth. And we're going to be, again, encouraged by that today in Acts chapter 11. Hey, maybe as you're listening to today's message too, man, take the encouragement, turn it to prayer. God, God, work powerfully in our midst, save lives. Join me, join the team here as we are begging God to show mercy upon person after person to have their eyes see the light of Jesus Christ, that they may be rescued from the darkness. Again, that's why we are here at Live in the Light. So Acts chapter 11, amazing stories of truth coming your way. Man, may the Lord speak to you powerfully and clearly today. Amen. All right, awesome. Well, let's get right at it. Acts 11 is our passage. Supernatural multiplication is the title of today's message. And here is Pastor Robbie once again. Good morning. Welcome to church. So glad you're here. Let's get our Bibles open to Acts chapter 11. God is moving. God is moving. I want you to be so encouraged by that. Uh, So many powerful themes through the book of Acts thus far. I hope you're enjoying the journey through this book. I know it's taking time, but man, it's worth it. It's worth it. Again, by the end of our journey, Lord willing, through this year, we look at Acts and hopefully we'll never see it the same way again. And as you look at so far where we've been in Acts, I mean, what a journey of growth. You know, like if you really trace back to chapter one, verse one, and where we are today in chapter 11, man, the powerful theme of just growth and supernatural growth and supernatural uh, multiplication. You know, where we started out in chapter one, right? There was this humble group of nobodies, 120 there in the upper room. There they were again, 120. And then all of a sudden at Pentecost, through supernatural means, the church explodes and 3,000 are added in one day. And then just a few days after that, the church grows to 5,000 people, souls, men, maybe then that means, you know, eight, 10, 12,000 people uh, in total. 
Then you have the martyrdom of Stephen, which seems to be a massive blow upon the church. But in reality, God uses that death of Stephen to see supernatural multiplication and revival breaks out in Samaria and revival breaks out in other places as we're gonna see today. Then you have the miraculous conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch because God is moving. And God is growing his church. He's supernaturally causing people to be saved. Oh yeah, and then this one guy you might've heard of, his name was Saul. And he got saved in this incredible conversion that the world would never be the same again. Again, probably the most single, most important event in the history of the church outside of Pentecost was Saul Paul's conversion. I mean, just so remarkable. Then we saw a miracle healings in Acts again, 10, 9 and 10. And then we saw Dorcas raised from the dead, this incredible working of supernatural healing and multiplication. Then we saw last week, the entire household of Cornelius brought to Christ. And again, this was so huge because this was the marking of the Gentiles being reached with the gospel with the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you think about it, again, if you kind of step back, good time to do that. Just step back in Acts chapters one through 10 and you're like, man, it's been a tsunami of life change. I mean, just a wonder of how much momentum has been seen. I mean, the Holy Spirit is just wreaking havoc over the earth and the world and the church in terms of life change. I mean, literally what we've read so far through Acts 1 to 10 is literally world changing. And again, the significance of Cornelius and his household was meaning this, again, as we said, but the gospel now is reaching the Gentiles. Like the gospel's going to the Gentile. If you're here and you're not Jewish, that means in biblical terms, you're Gentile and you understand the significance of Acts 10 and Cornelius' household. Like right now, if you're in a good place, if you're in a clear-minded place, a flood of gratitude should kind of rush through your soul. Just like because Jesus Christ and his love and grace that we as Gentiles also have the gospel, have the hope that we can sing now. Death again has no sting. Hell, where is your victory? Amen, church. Because of the grace and the love of the gospel reaching the Gentiles. I mean, just, and just pause just for a second. I mean, just, just inwardly where you are, just say, God, thank you. Thank you that this gospel went to the Gentiles. Otherwise, again, the vast majority of us, again, we have no chance, no chance but the love of God is so vast and so wide and so deep and so gracious and so filled again with power that it's reaching to every corner of the earth that we live on right now. So in Acts, you have this snowball of supernatural momentum and size and power. You know that kind of cartoons where the snowball starts going down the hill and picks up people along the way and the arms and legs are sticking out on the snowball and it's going down. You know what I'm saying? Or some of you are like, no, I have no idea. Well, anyways, it's kind of fun. But that's what's happening in the book of Acts right now. You have a snowball of gospel momentum just picking up people on his path and just going bigger and bigger and bigger. Just amazing. So as we come to Acts chapter 11, we learn here, okay, initially in Acts 11, Peter is criticized by the Jewish believers for hanging out with Gentiles. But then Peter explains what happens. He kind of summarizes Acts 10. He's like, no, man, you got it. Like I was kind of in the same place, guys. And I was doubting myself. I said, Lord, no, surely I could not eat a food that's common or unclean, whatever. And he was saying, God, I actually even, even kind of um, argued against God. 
But in the end, man, this thing happened and this Cornelius, an angel met him and God came and spoke to me and we met and the Holy Spirit fell upon uh, Cornelius and his whole house. I could not deny what was going on. In fact, Peter said to them in verse 17, look at Acts 11, uh, verse 17. He says this to his Jewish counterparts. He says, if then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is so great, who was I? Who was I that I could stand in the way of God? That's exactly right. See, Peter's, Peter speaks impulsively sometimes, but he's also very wise, filled with God's spirit. It is, listen, loved ones, it is futile to stand in the way of God. That's what Peter sees. Peter says, I wouldn't have chosen this necessarily. I wasn't expecting this. I did not know this was gonna be God's way. But he's like, man, who am I to stand in God's way? Who am I to get in the way of God? By the way, by the way, if you wanna have principles of growth and maturity in your life, if you can increasingly understand that the ways of God are not your ways, if you can increasingly understand when God says something, it's right. When God commands something, it's the greatest place of blessing. If you and I can increasingly submit to God's word and submit to God's will and to submit to God's wisdom, you and I will increasingly find ourselves in better and better places. That's a great principle for life. How many of us argue against the wisdom and will of God, which of course is foolishness when you think about it. It's a little side thing right here that Peter initially did. And he's like, he saw it and he's like, no, 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 I'm good, God. You're God, I'm not, you're good. Your ways are better than my own. Then look what happens in verse 18. Look at verse 18. When they, the Jewish believers, when they heard these things, they fell silent. I love that. Just the silence falls upon the room where they are. They fell silent and they glorified God saying, okay, now again, again, if you place yourself in the context of a Jewish believer and a lifetime of the law and a lifetime of the understand the Old Testament covenant, okay? Then this, listen, imagine almost the statement of, of disbelief and yet tremendous amazement and we pray joy. Then to the Gentiles also, Wow, wow. Our, our, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance. Who's sovereign over salvation? God is. God has granted repentance. Notice that leads to life. Now, stare at verse 18 for a second. Many words in there are very important. There's one small word that is massively important. It's the word also. Do you see the word also there? I'd underline it, I'd circle it, put a box around it, do something to it. There's a small word there with massive implications. Notice that word also. That word also is not there, we have no hope. That word is there, we have hope. Without that word, we are dead. That word was not there, we be dead. That word is there. We are alive if we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Without that word also, we be in total despair, sadness and grief and misery, but that word also is there. And therefore we have tremendous hope and tremendous expectation that we can open up the service today and say, I am bound for glory. I am free because I'm bound. And again, I'm there and I am waiting the heaven's gate. Awesome, that's so true. Because of that word also, I might add, the implications then are absolutely wonderful and glorious. So sometimes I'm mindful, every dictionary has a word of the year. Often they're strange. But listen, this is the word of, of your life right here. In some ways today, this is the word of your day. This is the word of your life. It's the word also. 
The word also in the context of the gospel and the love of God reaching the Gentiles. I wonder, have you ever been so thankful for the word also? Well, we need to be thankful today. It's awesome sometimes just to pick a word from God's word and to stare at it, it, meditate on it, and to just unpack it and say, man, I'm so glad also's there. God, thank you for also. As a Gentile, as, as one who had no chance by himself apart from Jesus Christ and his love and grace, I'm so thankful for the also that is there. And by the way, loved ones, this leads us to our first point, which is this. Number one, the Lord has granted repentance. The Lord has also granted repentance to the Gentiles. Notice the Lord has granted repentance. So in verse 18, God's sovereignty over salvation, okay? He has granted repentance. So ready, ready? Repentance is a gift. Have you thought about repentance in that way? Maybe it's been a while. Think about it. So many are so filled with um, pride and not wanting to repent. So many see repentance as such a bad thing. In fact, God grants repentance to lead to life. Maybe some of you are here right now and you've been resisting and fighting against and trying to push away the concept of repentance. You're pushing away life. You're pushing away blessing. You're pushing away eternity. You're pushing away the grace of God. Repentance is a gift granted by God that leads to life. Repentance means we are aware of our need for salvation because of our own sin. Repentance is turning away from that which is destroying us, sin, and running to him who is life and love, the Lord God Almighty. Jesus Christ and his gospel. That's what repentance becomes. And notice repentance leads to life. So we learn here, ready, ready, ready? Maybe you're here to hear this line right here today, okay? If you don't embrace repentance, you cannot be saved. There is no true salvation apart from repentance because if you don't know what you need to be saved from or you can't confess the fact what you need to be saved from, how can you be saved? You have to see your sin for what it is, offense against God. And again, confess and repent of that sin to turn and then turn your life towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord grants repentance. So try and place yourself now in the context of what's happening in Acts chapter 11. Imagine you're a Jewish believer right here. Again, you're starting to ascertain what's happening. This is 100% an earth-shattering idea. Like absolutely earth-shattering Now remember this, okay? When Peter comes back and Peter says, man, the Gentiles are being saved, okay? The Jewish people are like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait a second. Because inherent to Peter's message is that means circumcision is not necessary for salvation. That means keeping the law right now becomes irrelevant in terms of salvation. That means that clean or unclean foods also then is irrelevant in terms of being saved again by God Almighty. So if you're a Jewish person and those three things, you start to kind of unpack in your mind, the Gentiles are being saved, that's impossible, that's impossible. So this is the idea that the Jewish people and specific believers now are trying to wrestle down. And by the way, some really never got there. Someone struggled with this again for days, weeks, and, and, and years as we go through the book of Acts, we'll see some of that. It was almost too much grace for them to handle. 
You know what I mean? It was almost just like, no, no, there's no way. They, they don't deserve that. How, how about, I mean, I mean, if you look at your own heart and you see your own heart is sin, it's kind of foolish, but in the same way, it's like, well, how could they, they're the other people. We're the people set apart from God. Anyways, this is idea they're trying to wrestle down was this, was that the mission of the gospel included the Gentiles. The Lord has granted repentance to them as well. Now, for the Jewish believer who starts to see this and understand all of a sudden, there are certain verses in the Old Testament that are gonna start exploding from the page. Here's one. Here's one from Isaiah 49, okay? So this is the type of verse that pre-Christ and pre-New Covenant, you might look at and just kind of be sitting on, but notice this. Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? So up until now, like for the, for the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah, to bring back the preserved of Israel. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. But then notice this, but I will make you the servant of God, Jesus Christ, a light for the nations. And just to make sure they're clear on that, that my salvation might reach to the end of the earth. Okay, so you're, 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 you're a Jewish believer. You're alive in Jesus Christ. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, you open the scroll of Isaiah. You see Isaiah 49, verse six, and you're like, oh, oh. like, I mean, just, just like the light bulb of understanding and the amazement. God has predicted this all along. All along, God has predicted that the gospel go to his people, to the Jewish people, but also to the ends of the earth and be a light to the nations, including the Gentiles. This is also why Paul said in Romans chapter one, in Romans chapter one, Paul said this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And notice he says to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek, to the Gentile, to the Greek, to the Gentile, to the Jew first, exactly what we're seeing in the book of Acts, exactly what has happened. And Paul understands that the Paul, the Jew of Jews. And here he is saying that the gospel goes to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. So this truth absolutely changes everything. The Lord has granted repentance. Hey, um, maybe it's just a good exercise right now. Again, just to sit back for a moment, take a deep breath right now and just be like, and just pause and say, Lord, um, how thankful do we need to be for his kindness? I mean, honestly, just take a moment right now. God, thank you for your grace. I mean, if you're saved right now and you're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, let's just put down the wish list for God for a second and let's pick up the wonder list for a few moments. Like how about we just lift our eyes to Jesus and just thank him for all that he's done, the fact that we have any sense of being alive and the hope and the joy. I mean, think about it. Did you deserve, did I deserve to be saved? Absolutely not. I deserve to die. I deserve hell. I deserve eternal death. But Jesus Christ has granted me eternal life by grace through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins and the hope of glory to never die again. I mean, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, amen? I mean, praise him, praise him. Church, man, you wanna be a church to see the blessing of God, let's praise him and honor him and love him for all that he's done. So what happens now is the work of grace is now going into like town by town. And every town will never be the same again. And the town that's up next is Antioch. By the grace of God, it's Antioch. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna use the work of God in Antioch for the rest of our outline to become a prayer for us as a church. What we're gonna do, and this is the rest of the message, we're gonna see God, you grew and multiplied and put your grace in Antioch then, and you wanna do the same thing in Oakville now. 
What you did then, God, we're gonna pray that you will do now among us. And again, this becomes the remainder of our time together. Simple, but I pray powerful as well. So it's this, because the Lord has granted repentance, because that's a fact, because that continues to happen today across this world, because of the loving heart of God, therefore, Lord, may our prayers be the following. Because the Lord has granted, and join me in this prayer, okay? Join me in this prayer. Like not just today, like keep it going. Because you have promised to save people by granting repentance, therefore our prayer becomes the following based on the work of Antioch in Acts 11. Number 1A, we'll call it that. Our first prayer point is this. Oh Lord, may your hand be with us. May your hand be with us. Look at verse 19 now. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Notice, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of the men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus And then verse 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Okay, I want you to notice first the principle in verse 19. Take a look at verse 19, ready? Here's the principle. Gospel persecution always leads to gospel promotion. I'll say that again. Gospel persecution always leads to gospel promotion. Here's another supernatural principle and the supernatural reality is this. The harder you squeeze the church, the more life that comes from it. This is, this has maddened so many people over the centuries that tried to kill the church and get rid of Christ and destroy the Bible and to eliminate again the word of God. The reality is because God's in charge, he's supernatural, he does whatever he wants. The more you try to kill the church and squeeze it, the more life comes from it. Amen? That's so encouraging. That's true then, it's true now. The more you try to persecute the church, the more the gospel is promoted from it. And of course, the church comes by this honestly, doesn't it? The church comes by it honestly because Jesus Christ, of course, he died and from his death exploded life eternal. Millions and billions of people have been saved since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, the theme for free free indeed this year, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies it will bear much fruit. And by much fruit, again, billions of lives will be changed as the kernel of wheat, Jesus Christ, falls to the earth and dies on the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of sins. In verse 19, notice only the Jewish people were hearing the gospel. But then notice, notice in this verse, notice in verse 20, the second also is there. See the second also? So what I did in my Bible, I circled the first also, which was found again in verse 18. And I drew a little line there down to this also in verse 20. So I want to be connected. Here's the second also, which again is absolutely life-changing. You see that there? The second also is that some men preach the gospel. Don't know who they are. They preach the gospel to the Hellenists. My Bible has a footnote beside Hellenist is yours. In the footnote of my Bible, it says this. It says that they were Greek-speaking non-Jews. So you have... Gentiles, Greeks that were being reached with the gospel. Amazing, God is already spreading and working in this way. I love this. And the hand, I hope this is underlined, and the hand of the Lord was with them. 
and the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Now, the context of Acts 11, Antioch was a considerable city. It was in the day that this was written, it was to be the third largest or third most important city in the Roman empire. Antioch was known for its business. It was known for its sophistication. It was also known for its immorality. Uh, really known for its immorality. Antioch was famous for false gods, famous for its pursuit of pleasure, and honestly famous for its depravity. One commentator compared Antioch of that day to being the Las Vegas of its day. That's what one guy would suggest based on the information that he had in terms of the reality of the environment of Antioch. So what you have here, ready? Here you have the gospel coming into this very, very dark setting, this very, very evil society and surroundings, this very demonic-filled false god worship city, and you have the light of the gospel trying to shine into this darkness. You say, well, how would that happen? That's gonna be impossible. Ah, not so fast. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was with them. And if the hand of the Lord is with you, I like your chances. I did a quick survey of that phrase, the Lord was with him or the hand of the Lord was with him across scriptures really quickly this week, really quickly. And I came across, I just kind of, I typed in on my Bible software, like the Lord was with that phrase. And I found many, many different examples. And the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joshua. And the Lord was with Samuel. And the Lord was with David. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. And the Lord was with John the Baptist and the Lord was with Jesus. I like how all those guys turned out. I like what happened through their lives, ups and downs, yes. But when the hand of the Lord is with you, church, again, again, guaranteed blessing is to fall. Not easy, not easy, not easy, not easy, but awesome. Not easy. But tremendous, what else do you need when the hand of the Lord is with you? Hey, church, Hope Church right now, again, again, this is what we need more than anything else. If you start right from the bottom and build the foundation, when his hand is with us, nothing and no one can stop us. His hand, listen, listen, the Lord does whatever he wants to do. The Lord changes whoever he wants to change. The Lord moves through whatever situation he wants to because he is sovereign, he is God, he is awesome. When his hand is with us, we are good. Listen, listen, right, so careful, right? right? Right now, right now. This is where his presence is always more important in the program. I say it again, his presence is always more important than the program. As great as the ministry fair is, and I'm gonna hype that up in a few minutes, that's so important. If his presence is not sought, then the program becomes useless and futile. This is when prayer is always greater than performance, always. Dependence so much more important than our ability to do anything. This is where his glory always trumps our giftedness. Always. All human gifting in the world will never equal to life change. It must be the hand of the Lord. Think about it, think about it. In Acts 11, in the midst of these dark times, man, in the midst of incredibly dark times in evil society, the hand of the Lord was with them. Think about our times that we live in, dark times, but we insist that the hand of the Lord be with us. Antioch was dark, but the Lord was with them. 
The hand of the Lord was with them. What does it look like when the hand of the Lord is upon a church or let's say upon a community of Christians? And you know, we have this theme of praying for a spirit of revival in our day right now. God is moving. God is doing so many unique things and so excited for what I see and what I believe is going to happen to you and just the anticipation. I've been reading a lot about revival recently and just want to get a heart of faith and going there. And I want you to join me in that on the screen for you. I just, this is, this is kind of, extensive, but I just want to read it. I want to read it slowly. I want you to take it in. Uh, Tudor Jones, he explains revival in this way. Revival is God revealing himself to man in awful holiness and irresistible power. It is such a manifest working of God that human personalities are overshadowed and human programs abandoned. I love that. It is man retiring into the background because God has taken the field. As a former jock, man, I like that metaphor. It is the Lord making bare his holy arm and working an extraordinary power on saint and sinner. I love this. It has the stamp of deity upon it, which even the unregenerate and uninitiated are quick to recognize. Please, Lord, may your hand be upon us. Thanks for listening to Live in the Light today. If you'd like to hear this message again or any messages in this series, visit us online at liveinthelight.ca or you can contact us by mail. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard, Oakville, Ontario, L6L6X9. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. I wanna-